0: Food Freedom Radio. Hi, this is Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a patriot to the natural world, and a person who, for the first time, uh, read Rachel Carson's Silent Spring that was written in 1962. I mean, actually, I listened to the book on tape. But what can we learn today about a book that was written 60 years ago? And in studio with me to talk about Silent Spring, as well as the pesticide crisis, is Mark Rosenberg. Mark is an activist and a citizen advisory uh, on the Minnehaha Creek Watershed
1: District. Hi, How are you? Thank uh, you for having me today.
0: Well, thank you. You've actually produced this show. So you've called all these people and you've just been passionate on this topic. So tell me, tell me where your passion stems from.
1: Well, I read uh, Silent Spring as a senior at the University of Minnesota in the journalism school and uh, did a report um, for uh, an oral report and a written report, which is somewhere in storage, which I hope to recover. But uh, it just uh, instilled me with the importance of uh, protecting the public health uh, and the warnings that uh, Rachel Carson gave um, Her ability to take science and explain it to the layperson She's a wonderful writer. She was an accomplished uh, author before she wrote this book and um, Sadly she died uh, 18 months after its publication and I um, It seems that, for the last 40 years, I've been involved in pesticide issues, literally in my backyard. Uh, Every couple years, it's uh, another, whether it's at the golf course, uh, in the neighborhood, with lawn chemicals, and most recently, uh, the watershed district, and uh, I hope to talk a little bit about My concerns uh, for aquatic pesticides that uh, Rachel Carson would be very saddened that uh, chemicals that uh, were dedicated for land use uh, at some point were approved uh, for aquatic use. And if you look at a a pesticide label, uh, most say don't use within 100 feet of water and uh somehow lobbying must have brought about the acceptance of certain chemicals and now i get my last uh review six years ago there were 20 chemicals approved for uh, aquatic uh, herbicides but i'll talk about that talking.
0: i know it's it's it's, it's, like, it's really heart-wrenching actually it's heart-wrenching for a lot of people when you know information, and thats it's a very heart-wrenching topic. But right now joining us is Terry Gibbs. He's with the Alliance for Sustainability. And Terry, do you want to talk a little bit about Rachel Carson?
2: Uh, sure. Thanks, Laura. Yes, you know, Rachel Carson uh, is really one of the great, what Maya Angelou calls, heroes and heroes of our world. She really is responsible for creating our modern environmental movement uh, through the writings that Mark was just talking about. She had such a huge impact. It's because of her bravery taking on the chemical industry um, where they were totally attacking her, ridiculing her, um, doing everything they could to destroy her. And she persisted. And she kept going and kept writing and speaking and educating the world. And it's because of her that we actually had the first Earth Day in 1970. And it's because of her that we had the world's first environmental conference in 1972. It's because of her that we banned DDT. It's because of her that we created the Environmental Protection Agency. That she demonstrates the impact that one person can have in the world
0: i found listening to her book very very difficult because she would tell these stories about millions of acres being sprayed with ddt hurting the willow trees hurting the moose and they're sprayed there because the cattle people want more grasslands millions of ddt ddt tons of it being sprayed on millions of acres in just foolhardy ways and it was so heart-wrenching and yet she stood present to all of that ugliness and she was able to really make a difference
2: absolutely and you know it's interesting at the alliance for sustainability we were originally when we were founded in 1983 we were the international alliance for sustainable agriculture and one of the very the two first things that we did in the state of minnesota one is we passed the toughest organic standards in the United States. And the second thing that we did uh, was that we got past a ban on, um, uh, gosh, what is it, uh, Chlordane. And um, it was a huge epic fight, but she talked about Chlordane as being this very toxic, dangerous organochlorine pesticide that persists just like DDT and um and it's because of her work that we ultimately were able to ban uh, chloridane we were the fifth state in the united states to ban chloridane and it led to a national ban on chloridane and so she has continued to have this impact um on and on and and as a result of her work Um, the Pesticide Action Network that I was on the board of and the International Alliance launched what was called the Dirty Dozen campaign against 12 of the most hazardous pesticides and and it's quite amazing. I wrote a book called Breaking the Pesticide Habit on alternatives to these hazardous pesticides and it's quite amazing that President Bush Jr. um, actually Uh, signed an international treaty to get rid of these 12 pesticides. So, again, she has been present and continues to have such a big impact on how we see our natural world.
0: So, Terry Gibbs, we really thank you for joining us. Do you want to give us your website so if people want to connect with you more, they can?
2: Uh, Sure. It's uh, Alliance for Sustainability, Uh, A-L-L-I-A-N-C-E for f-o-r and then sustainability s-u-s-t-a-i-n a-b-i-l-t-y dot o-r-g
0: well thank you so much terry for uh, joining us today thank and you terry. it's
2: wonderful yeah it's wonderful and i just want to just say one more thing and that is thank you to mark rosenberg for his ongoing persistent leadership he's been one of my heroes Um, really making a difference in our world, continuing to speak up. So thank you for your great work, Mark.
1: Thank you, Terry, for yours and
2: your kind words. Yeah, and thanks, Laura. Appreciate it.
0: Uh, It's all mutual. That felt kind of nice, us thanking each other. And I, I had this sentence in this book, if anyone doubts that our waters have become almost universally contaminated with insecticides, she's writing this in 1962, read this report. So one of the big things Rachel did is, a lot of work.
1: It's amazing. I'd like to read from her introduction, just a short uh, paragraph. Um, In 1945, she tried to interest Reader's Digest in the alarming evidence of environmental damage from the widespread use of the new synthetic chemical, DDT, and other long-lasting agricultural pesticides. By 1957, Carson believed that these chemicals were potentially harmful to the long-term health of the whole biota. The pollution of the environment by the profligate use of toxic chemicals was the ultimate act of human hubris, a product of ignorance and greed that she felt compelled to bear witness against. She insisted that what science conceived and technology made possible must first be judged for its safety and benefit to the whole stream of life. There would be no peace for me, she wrote to a friend, if I kept silent. And I think today, um, you know, 60 years later, uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of silence in the scientific community and people are not speaking out. Um, Medical community, um, I've heard lectures and uh, some doctors are are uh, initiating uh, activity in that arena. But um, there is a silence today once again. And I hope from our uh, little talk show here that we can interest AM950 listeners to form a, a new army um, uh, to fight against... Uh, you know this continuing use of pesticides, and uh,
0: you know it's insane. After we had lunch, I um, we had lunch last week, and uh, last week's show we had the two billion dollar sentiment against Monsanto and all this publicity about Roundup being linked to cancer. And I was driving by, and there's somebody spraying outside a church in in Dakota County, and I pulled the car over, said, calm down, be nice, <laughs> but I actually talked to him, and he stopped spraying. You know, and it was, but I don't think I would have done that had you not talked to me earlier that day. So, I mean, there is something about us stopping to be silenced and just sort of waking ourselves up. To
1: did did uh, he know what he was spraying? Or
0: he was spraying 2D, two D, two D, two D, and it, she talks about 24 D. That's a
1: fifty percent component of Agent Orange, and amazingly, the Veterans Administration is still fighting. Uh, veterans who have claims for uh, a myriad of symptoms uh, and, um, you know, maybe we can talk about 2,4-D because Monsanto has a new patent in the same way that um, they have uh, GMO-modified seeds that are not receptive to an herbicide. They're coming out with a 2,4-D, a modified seed.
0: So you're listening to Food Freedom Radio and we're talking about... I don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about Rachel Carson and hope. That's what we're talking about, right? Hope for sanity. Uh, We'll be back with Russ Henry and um, the story of Minneapolis Parks. Eat fresh and support local farmers this summer by shopping at the Minneapolis Farmer's Market. The market has the best selection of fresh and local fruits and vegetables, meats, and farmstead goods. It's not too late to pick up plants and flowers. Also, fresh at the market is asparagus, rhubarb, and green onions. The Minneapolis Farmer's Market is open every day, 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. Plus, there's additional locations Tuesdays at the Hennepin County Government Center and Thursdays at Nicollet Mall. More details at mplsfarmersmarket.com.
3: Habitation Furnishing and Design is simply the best furniture design studio in the Twin Cities. What is a furniture design studio? It's a place where you'll find professional interior designers who are there to help you select the perfect furniture. A single sofa or an entire home. Our designers love making spaces exceptional. When you're shopping for furniture, it makes sense to talk to a professional. Habitation Furnishing
4: and Design, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. Tap taste and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of Vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette. 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at VinaigretteMN.com. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell.
5: Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents.
1: Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment.
2: Catch New Beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
6: This is Chad, owner of AM950 here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window and insurance restoration. Up years ago, when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM 950 Trusts, Snap Construction, at 612 333 Snap. That's 612 333 Snap, or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available.
4: I
5: know an old lady who swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. Perhaps she'll die. I know an old lady who swallowed a spider that wriggled and jiggled and tickled inside her. So
0: she swallows the spider to take care of the fly, and then eventually she she eats a horse and Perhaps dies, of course. But anyhow, this is Food Freedom Radio. Uh, Laura Headline in studio with me is Mark Rosenberg. He's an activist and citizen advisor from Minnehaha Creek Watershed District. And Russ Henry, who is a longtime activist. And I wanted to play that song because, you know, we can have these little problems in life. Like even right now, I'm kind of being bugged by the creeping Charlie. No, I'm not bugged by weeds. We can have some little problem that we want to fix. But then our solutions can make the problem worse and worse Mm -hmm. and worse, which is kind of the story of pesticide use.
3: Yes, it is very much. Well, thank you very much for having me on here today. Thank you, Russ. Um, I really appreciate that you're talking about pesticides and Rachel Carson today. Uh, It is so extraordinarily important that we start to bring some attention to this issue. Um, Our natural environment is being poisoned and our bodies are being poisoned uh, by a myriad of chemicals that are being used in landscapes and farms around the country. Um, Just a quick drive around the city in the spring, will show uh, pesticide use at churches, at uh, parks, at golf courses, at uh, schools. Uh, Fortunately, there's less of it going on at schools right now. Um, But still, so much pesticide use in the city. And all of these chemicals are cross-contaminating with one another and and, uh, working their way into our bodies and into our environment.
0: I don't know if we're even going to be able to get to all these facts like Rachel did in her book, but just some words to give people some of Body burdens, uh, bioaccumulation, endocrine disruptors, mental health impacts, chemical and microbiome and how that connects to our emotional health. <sighs> so what is, what's wrong with spraying everything?
3: Well, I approach things from a soil health perspective. And so um, I am a, uh, I'm a soil nerd. Uh, self-proclaimed and um, I like to use microscopes to examine soil creatures and see uh, if we have a healthy soil microbiome Um, I've been trained in doing this by dr. Elaine and
0: yes and uh, we went to a seminar with hers together two years ago yes
3: she's fascinating and uh, what she clearly shows and what is very easy to see whenever you get the microscope out is that um, all soil health, all the um, microbes in the soil, fungi, uh, most aerobic bacteria, nematodes, microarthropods, amoebae, these are all killed by anything with the last name iside. Mm -hmm. And so if it's an herbicide, an insecticide, a rodenticide, a nematicide, you name it, these are going to kill all of the soil health creatures. Something we should really keep in mind is that all of these soil health creatures These are the same creatures that are supposed, same and similar, that are supposed to grow on our skin and in our stomachs to help us digest food and help us keep diseases off. Um, When we're introducing uh, insecticides and pesticides of all different sorts into the environment, we start killing off all of those soil creatures,
1: including the ones that are supposed to be alive on our body and keeping us healthy. Right. Rachel Carson uh, commented that she would prefer to call pesticides biocides. Yes.
0: And I have a a quote, because she she actually has a chapter in her book called Realms of the Soil. Life not only formed the soil, but other living things of incredible abundance and diversity now exist within it. If it were not for so, the soil would be dead and a sterile thing. But the way that our dominant system, the way that our thinking um, and... uh, We've been killing our soils. Yes,
3: haven't. yes. When I put a sample under the microscope of uh, soil that's been treated with Roundup, um, what you clearly, what everybody can clearly see, is that the the soil under there looks just like a beach. It's it's sand, and there's no um, uh, aggregation. Uh, there's no fungi. There's no none of the higher order creatures in the soil.
1: It's just a dead zone. Isn't the mode of action for Roundup glyphosate? Where it bonds with the soil, it actually, that's one of the characteristics I I heard.
3: Yes, it does bond with the soil and it moves through water very easily. And something that we should keep in mind is that all healthy soil particles have a thin layer of water on the outside. And that's where nematodes and... Amoebae and other creatures are swimming through and living in that water. And when we put any kind of pesticide down, it moves through the liquid around all of the soil particles and kills off all of the life in the soil that way.
0: And the way that the Roundup insecticide works is it makes the stomach of insects explode. So if we're making the stomach of insects explode, could that affect the food we eat in our whole system? Well, Roundup is an
3: herbicide, and Mm -hmm. so uh, it's more for uh, killing weeds. Um, However... Roundup is also a registered antimicrobial agent, and so um, we we should all keep that in mind because uh, that means it's going to kill off all of the soil microbes and all of our healthy uh, gut microbiome. Organisms. Yeah, all the beneficial organisms. Yeah, um, we had uh, mentioned briefly schools and parks, and so uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about that, if if that's okay. Uh, In Minneapolis, we have for a very long time been using pesticides in the parks and school grounds. Um, Oh, about six years ago, myself and some other folks really started pushing on the park board and the school board to eliminate the use of pesticides. We just don't need these poisons around our kids. And in our natural environment, and so um, I'll tell you, the school board in Minneapolis was very receptive, and they were very easy to work with, and uh, very excited that they're going to be starting a pilot project for an organic uh, football field. Yay! And, and really, their football and soccer fields are the only places that they're still using pesticides. So we've got we got them to eliminate Roundup this wow, year. Oh,
0: that's very exciting! Very
3: exciting. Branch. And and uh, then over in the in the parks, um, it's a kind of a similar story only. The park, Minneapolis Park Board, uh, several elected officials there for many years fought against the elimination of pesticides. And uh, we did uh, a bunch of work during the 2017 campaign to um, take those seats and give them to folks who would would help us uh, eliminate pesticides in the parks. And now the parks have gone ahead and banned Roundup as well. And I'm um, very excited to announce that uh, come uh, this fall, we're going to start a pilot project for one of our seven Minneapolis golf courses um, as a uh, an organic uh, pesticide-free space and the same for a ball field in over uh, at Fort Snelling. So we're going to be running pilots in both the schools and the parks coming up in the next couple of years. That's great.
1: Can't happen soon enough.
3: Great. Right.
0: No, but it did feel really nice. And there was an article in the stern Tribune that uh, there's actually going to be a program to pay Minnesota homeowners to let their lawns go to the bees. Exactly. But I think you're right. It can't happen soon enough. And I know when you and I talked about the show earlier, Mark, um, it was like, how can we know all this stuff and still do so little?
1: It's so true. And, uh, you know, one of my big concerns uh, and that of, uh, pesticide Action Network is uh, the problem with uh, children's health, and I, I know we're going to spend a little time talking about that. And
0: yeah, this will be next segment. We're going to be talking with Will Childers, She's with Pesticide Action Network about children's health and the pesticide. Great. So, how do we connect this all to Rachel Carson again? How do we? I mean, maybe part of it is. Because um, I think there's people that are listening to the show that have been also really working on different issues, and it can get to be hard. I mean, it's so much work to try to move the ball a little forward.
1: Well, it's good news that uh, Rachel Carson uh, Legacy, uh, there is an organization, a nonprofit, Rachel Carson Council, and uh, the uh, executive director, Robert Musil. um He's a wonderful person, and he's written a book called Rachel Carson and Her Sisters, and it's now available in uh, paperback. So I highly recommend not only buying Silent Spring, but but the companion book, Rachel and Her Sisters.
0: Well, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. She's
4: wanted the bird to catch the
5: spider that wriggled and jiggled and tickled inside her. Eat fresh
0: and support local farmers this summer by shopping at the Minneapolis Farmers Market. The market has the best selection of fresh and local fruits and vegetables, meats, and farmstead goods. It's not too late to pick up plants and flowers. Also, fresh at the market is asparagus, rhubarb, and green onions. The Minneapolis Farmers Market is open every day, 6 a.m. to 1 p.m., plus there's additional locations Tuesdays at the Hennepin County Government Center and Thursdays at Nicollet Mall. More details at mplsfarmersmarket.com. Connection
7: Supporting the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities has never been easier. You'll find an expansive list of local dining options at eatlocalminnesota.com. From classic American comfort food to authentic flavors from around the world. Experience cozy fireside dining at the Downtowner Woodfire Grill in St. Paul, specializing in fresh seafood, fire-roasted meats, and pizzas all cooked over an oak-burning fire, and salads and sandwiches, too. Join them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week, located at 253 West 7th Street with plenty of free parking, or online at downtownerwoodfire.com. Burger Mose is the perfect neighborhood gathering spot before and after Excel Center events or anytime. Offering 20 fresh, never-frozen burger varieties, more than 60 beers on tap, and happy hours twice daily. Burger Mose is located at 242 West 7th Street in St. Paul with plenty of free parking and online at BurgerMoes.com. We at Total Dog Company are hands-on dog lovers.
2: We are involved in the care of all aspects of our dogs. The same kind of hands-on care is found in Canada brand pet foods. From growing increasing amounts of the ingredients in their foods to cooking their recipes in their own cookery, Canada is a small, independent company that focuses on the hands-on attention to quality. Same as Total Dog Company. Find Total Dog and New Hope right off of 169 at 9432 36th Avenue North and at totaldogcompany.com
4: no one beats warner stellion no one our passion is earning your business and we've guaranteed appliance savings for nearly 70 years but the warners know there's more to it than just offering the lowest price so we've hired and we've trained the very best people to make every step of your appliance buying experience simple and fun now through june 3rd warner stellion will save you even more with exclusive in-store specials go to warnerstellion.com or come on in for full details choose minnesota's own warner stellion With
6: your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for partly cloudy skies today with a high near 72, tonight clear with a low around 48, Sunday sunny with a high near 70, and Monday sunny with a high around 75. During Standard's Ready, Set, Save, Sale, you can save $900 on a new ductless unit or air conditioner. That's what we call cool cash. Learn more about getting your $900 in savings at standardheatingdeals.com. Standard heating and air conditioning, comfort you deserve.
4: The spider
5: to catch the fly. I don't know why she swallowed the fly. Perhaps she'll die. I know an old lady who swallowed a horse.
1: She's dead. <laughs>
0: So, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and we're talking with Mark Rosenberg. He's an activist and citizen advisor for Minnehaha Creek Watershed and Russ Henry. And during the break, we're talking, this seems like kind of a crazy song to be playing, but then you shared a children's story.
3: Well, the song really reminds me of uh, The King, the Mice, and the Cheese, uh, which is a book that I read when I was a little kid. And um, in that book, we've got a king who has a a castle filled with cheese, and he loves the cheese. And mice move in to start sharing it with him. Uh, He didn't really like that. So, his wise men tell him, well, it's time to bring in cats, and they'll get rid of the mice. The only thing is, cats are kind of difficult to live with, too, so he doesn't like that. Then they bring in dogs, and they're hard to live with, so the wise men say, well, I guess we got to bring in lions, and pretty soon they're up to elephants, and they've got elephants stomping around, and, and the wise men come, and the king says, what can I do to get rid of these elephants? And the wise men say, well, mice will get rid of elephants, <laughs> and to me, that's really reminiscent of our relationship with pests and, and weeds in particular.
0: Right, because as Carson pointed out in her book Silent Spring, I mean, we were spraying millions and millions of acres with tons and tons of DDT, almost wiped out the bald eagle, um, because we were worried about fire ants and Dutch elm and gypsy moth, which are all problems, but let's find other solutions to that. So. So that's that's why we're playing that music. And joining us right now is uh, Wilda uh, Childress. She's with the Pesticide Action Network of North America. And in a in a book called um, A Generation in Jeopardy, the sentence is: Children today are sicker than they were a generation ago. Wilda, why is that?
5: Um. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Laura. And I think we hear about this a lot, right? We hear about increased rates in ADHD and autism, in birth defects and asthma, in diabetes and disrupted metabolism in children. And what we're now understanding is that pesticides are a big reason that a lot of these problems are so prevalent and that exposure to pesticides, especially in utero and especially when you're under the age of five can really derail your brain development and cause lots of problems later on.
1: Well, um, the importance of taking care of children uh, was brought out in a pamphlet I was reading and the, the quote is, children are one third of our population and all of our future. And I think if nothing else motivates us is the moral imperative to adhere to the principle of do no harm and in Europe they've adopted uh, the precautionary principle which um, well maybe you could talk about that a little bit
5: yeah I think many many countries have used the precautionary principle when you're talking about regulation and allowing new New chemicals, new chemistries on the market. And basically, it's the idea that unless something is proven safe, it shouldn't be available for consumption by the, the general public. Unfortunately, in the, in the United States, we do absolutely the opposite. We allow things to be sold until they are absolutely proven to cause any kind of problems. And so there can be really good evidence. You know, you have the World Health Organization coming out and saying classifying. Uh, glyphosate and Roundup as a probable human carcinogen and yet that alone is not enough you need to have mountains of evidence and even then our regulatory agencies there's not much that is holding them to uh, protecting the people over protecting corporate profits.
0: In In Silent Spring, Rachel Carson repeatedly uh, repeated this idea of uh, you know of bioaccumulation that that the way that the science if something's safe if a mouse can use it for six weeks it's safe but then it's only touching the mouse but the mouse is exposed to all sorts of other chemical loads it's not testing the burdens the whole burdens. Have humans in our entire system been a guinea pig for the chemical approach to life?
5: I would certainly say so. I think that the evidence points to that. And when we talk about these uh, these combined factors, I think I use pollinators as a way to paint this really clearly. You can look at the way that one chemistry or one chemical impacts a given pollinator, you know, one honeybee. That's the the kind of proxy for all other invertebrates. We use honeybees to, to show um, what's going to happen to all these other insects. And yet we don't look at the way that those chemicals are converging and reacting with one another within the beehive when they're brought back from you know, several miles away from a bunch of different places at different farms, people's backyards, anywhere that these these chemicals are being used. And so it's a much more complicated system than our current science it can capture. And so the I think what's important here is that the scope of the unknown is really big, but the scope of the known is increasingly big too. And what we do know Tells us very clearly that we have reason to be very concerned about what we're putting in our bodies and what's uh, being used to produce our food.
3: You mentioned children's health, and it's my understanding. And Willa, uh, this is Russ. Hey, how you doing? Um, uh, Maybe you can help uh, speak to this a little too. I believe that uh, the pesticide uh, regulators are um, making uh, recommendations not based on children's bodies and pesticide absorption in children's bodies, but on adult male bodies. Is that true?
0: That's right, yes. And do they do studies on how all the toxic load affects, or they just pick one chemical at a time?
5: Yeah, one chemical at a time is the customary way to do it, and both with people and pollinators and and all creatures the the standard procedure is to look at acute exposure Mm -hmm. rather than chronic exposure to chemicals
0: yeah i'm just going to read a couple quick questions for uh, quotes from uh, rachel carson uh she says these chemicals work in spectacular ways they give a giddy sense of power over nature and then she also says under the philosophy that now seems to guide our destinies nothing must get in the way of the man with the spray gun how do we even begin to talk about, like, this, these guiding philosophies, which is what Rachel did in such a poetic way. And I think it's why her book um, was so impactful is because she was speaking in a very full-throated way.
3: Well, it's time for folks to start transitioning in their own in their own spaces and in their own lives through their purchasing power and through uh, how they manage their own landscapes. Exactly. Um, and the good news is there are excellent resources for learning how to manage organically uh, for the homeowner. Uh, and for uh, the thousand acre farmer
0: right and i've seen some movement because we haven't sprayed our yards for 30 years so i mean you'd go to some neighborhood things all of a sudden they're whispering about you in the backside and you're like that's okay <laughs> but um but but the permaculture like just basically planting trees and bushes you don't need to spray those and they're easier and and so everyone finds their own ways of doing things in their yards but even having a reduced toxic load in our in our house i was actually looking for a mattress pad and I'm not going to buy one because it has all the right. stuff on it anymore. So I think the consumer, consumer-led consumer is one of the keys. Um, do you have anything to say about that?
1: Um, well,
5: Willa? Oh,
0: yeah.
5: Um, yeah, I agree that we need we need both push and pull, that it's easier to make these changes when you have consumers and people who are creating a market for it and pulling things in the right direction. And... And really, that's one thing that capitalism does extraordinarily well, is creating consumer-led changes. That said, you're you're in danger of co-optation, I think, when mm-hmm. you're putting that much um, of your power and that much of your organizing in the hands of the market. And so I really believe that the other piece of that has to be based in grassroots coalitions and um, building relationships with our policymakers and, and restructuring our systems of government, you know, just even creating small transparency measures in our in our state and local ca- uh, units of government right. can and be really helpful.
0: Wilda, Chunis with Pesticide Action Network, you also wanted to talk about what happened at the state capitol this year.
5: Yeah, I think, you know, we, so we support a lot of different bills related to pesticides and pollinators that we see every year. And I think this year was a really stark example of the system not working in a democratic way. We started out the session with all kinds of momentum. A lot of incoming legislators that were hearing from their constituents that pollinators and um, pesticides and the impact on human health were, were really huge priorities for them. And so they were ready to work with us and we started out with about 15 or 20 bills that were introduced, like a record high of bills. Um, Everything from, you know, creating new habitat for pollinators to restricting pesticides on state lands to creating cost share programs so that farmers can increase the amount of, of flowering pasture that they have. And there are a lot of really creative solutions. And then gradually over the session, you know, some of these things don't pass. We ended up with a few that looked like they were going to. And one that I think really paints this picture was this bill to restrict the use of neonicotinoid pesticides in wildlife management areas. And for those who don't know, neonics are a class of pesticide. They're a systemic pesticide. So they get directly absorbed into the cells of the plant and then continue to be expressed throughout the plant's life cycle. So they're really dangerous. They're just they're they're not good and there's all kinds of science that shows that they're particularly dangerous to pollinators and insects. And now research is showing they're also of concern to birds and larger wildlife as well. So this was this was a bill that was actually reinforcing the existing agency policy in their state lands, the DNR Department of Natural Resources manages these these state wildlife management areas, and you know, as of now, they don't actually allow neonics in in these state re- regions. Um, but having a state policy that, that enforced that was, you know, made it safer. So basically these these agency policies can change over time and this was going to create just a little bit more longevity for it. And we had it we had an amazing run. It passed through the House which is as you may know controlled by the Democrats currently. Um, and then it was actually voted unanimously Republicans and Democrats in the Senate unanimously voted in favor of this bill. So it got 67 yays and zero nays in the Senate. And I think everyone was really excited to celebrate this as an area of bipartisan collaboration. And unfortunately, in the last week of the session, the language just mysteriously vanished.
1: Wow! Terrible! Terrible! That is terrible. How, how many uh, of the bee population? What do you? What's your knowledge of uh, the bee decline? Uh, I've heard anywhere from forty to eighty percent. I mean, our food system depends on pollination.
5: Yeah, one in three bites of food is because of bees, and we often talk about honeybees as the proxy for pollinator declines because that's what people have the best stats on you know they're, they're commercially managed and beekeepers in Minnesota have lost about half of their bees each right year. so
0: and I, i'm intrigued by that legislation we're going to have to figure that out i'm going to have to we're going to have to fight harder next year wilder shelters and yeah. pesticide action network we're going to take a bit of a break and we're coming back we're going to be what can we do about the pesticide mess no
4: sun
7: P.
0: Hello,
3: fellow AM950 listeners. This is Jaja from Nightingale at 26 and Lindale. Come experience our delicious signature dishes and exciting rotation of inventive seasonal fare for my wife and chef Carrie and her team. Nightingale is the perfect place to gather for any occasion with our extensive wine, beer, and cocktail selection, along with our dedication to great service. We offer a full menu every day from 4 to 1 a.m., two award-winning daily happy hours and weekend brunch at 10. More at NightingaleMPLS.com.
7: I'm Connie Burek, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind-body-spirit-emotion perspective. On the Awakened Living Radio Show, we will discuss stress, self-care, fear, happiness, beliefs, communication, joy, pain, trauma, and more. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life.
4: Tom
2: Hartman here letting you know how you can save money with all-energy solar. One of the myths about solar is that it's too expensive and you need lots of money down. The truth, solar is available for little or no money down. And if you have a great site for solar, you might even save money right away on a monthly basis. So don't wait to switch. You'll see your investment pay off the sooner you switch to all-energy solar. So start saving today and visit allenergysolar.com.
7: I'm Candy Brothel, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings Magazine and host of Green Tea Conversations, a new show for people who are on a journey to take responsibility for their health and play a more active role in their family's well-being. Join me every Sunday at 10 a.m. as I interview local experts who share the latest in natural holistic approaches in a fun and informative way. So grab a cup of tea and join the conversation as we awaken to natural health. Visit us at naturaltwincities.com.
4: Tap Taste and Treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior, online at vinaigrettemn.com.
1: We stand now where two roads diverge, but unlike the roads in Robert Frost's familiar poem, they are not equally fair. The road we have long been traveling is deceptively easy, a smooth superhighway on which we progress with great speed, but at its end lies disaster." The other fork of the road, the one less traveled by, offers our last, our only chance to reach a destination that assures the preservation of our Earth. The choice, after all, is ours to make.
0: So, Mark Rosenberg, you're reading from Silent Spring, Rachel Carson's landmark book written in 1962. Um, You want to tie us up into that, Russ? Yeah. Uh, Henry?
3: um, Well, uh, during the commercial break, we were talking about how we can... uh, Help homeowners stop using so many pesticides at home. And really, the lawn is the big culprit. Um, so I uh, I uh, am the president of Minnehaha Falls Landscaping, and um, we practice organic and pesticide-free um, lawn care and gardening. Uh, for for homeowners, it, there's a few things that folks could do to help uh, drive the weed presence down without using any any herbicides or pesticides at all and the first and most important thing is we're mowing our lawns too short and when we do so we're inviting in the weeds we're making it hard for grass plants to be grass and to send out horizontal roots and and have a thicker uh turf presence and we're, we're opening the space up for, for weeds to come in when we mow too short. So no, never mowing shorter than three inches is one of the main pieces of advice that I help folks who are running an, or, an organic lawn. Uh, and making sure that your lawnmower blade is sharpened is actually very critical for the health of the grass because when we tear the grass blade, we're creating a, a wound on the top of the grass. And if the mower blade is dull and has uh, nicks in it, it's going to create a deeper wound that has more surface area to heal okay. so um, those are the two main uh, cultural practices if you will that will help folks eliminate the use of herbicides without without uh, changing very much just lift the mower blade a little
0: and the pollinators need the space so not using any chemicals and and on break we also want to talk about the neonicotinoids. nicotoids um willa do you want to talk about that bill some more
5: yeah, well, I'll just share that, you know, a lot of people decide they want to put in pollinator habitat in their yards, and that's awesome. But you can't always trust what is labeled pollinator-friendly when you go to the store, because there aren't currently any laws that um, force companies to to do anything to, to have that pollinator-friendly claim. And so... Something can be pollinator-friendly technically in that it is attractive to pollinators, but it could also have been treated with a systemic pesticide that's actually making that attractive plant pretty toxic to bees that might be coming into your yard. And so I I just always tell folks the best thing when you go to your nursery or landscaping company is just to talk with them and ask, make sure that they know who their grower is, who their producer is. We have some
0: wonderful partners here. Mother Earth Gardens has been a leader in this. They don't sell any of that. Uh, The Minneapolis Farmer's Market is a great place to get plants. You can talk directly to the farmer. Um, But also, Mark, I wanted to get back to the quote that you started um, this segment with, about we do have the two roads. And when you start looking at the uh, chemicals in our farm system, the chemicals used in our yards, the effects on the pollinator, the fact that we're living in a mass extinction event, it can really freak us out. How do we? How do we get on the next road? How do we? How do we stop this one road and start another road and, and go a different course? Because that's why you. That's what you. That's what you want to do, right?
1: Well, I, I think personal um, involvement. I think every citizen has a responsibility. It's really a survival issue, and when we talk about our children and uh, the impact that these chemicals have physically on. Not only are the adult bodies, but these children, and the, they'll carry these chemicals throughout their life, and it gets passed on to the next generation as well. The permanency of these chemicals and uh, the effect it has on cells in the body—it's—it uh,
0: is—it's it, it, really hard to take in. I
1: mean, I think we need um, ultimately uh, to change the regulatory structure. Um, as Willow was saying, uh, the, the Environmental Protection Agency is the regulatory agency, and without them and its creation in 1970, um, I don't know where we would be, but in Washington, um, right now, the funding uh, for environmental protection is being cut back. Um, and in particular, uh, I read just the other day that the EPA announced that it will no longer renew its grants for um, the National Institute of Environmental Health uh, research centers that do important scientific work on children's health. Uh, It's a longitudinal study throughout the life of the child from birth to adulthood. Um, They perform these studies and uh, for the past 20 years, the centers have operated in California, Colorado, Illinois, Michigan, Iowa, Ohio, Georgia, North Carolina, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire. I don't know why we don't have it in Minnesota. But that and this funding is being being, is being cut. cut. So at the federal level, um, the current administration hasn't spoken out uh, on behalf of consumer protection. And with regard to pesticides, now I think one of the new Democratic candidates from Hawaii um, is uh, talking Speaking about up. Roundup and glyphosate. Covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. covered. Yes. Yeah. Um,
0: well, unfortunately, we're down there like our last two minutes, but and we're, so we're going to keep keep this going because the one thing I really took away from Rachel Rachel's work on Silent Spring is. That you do keep going. You keep on fighting. You keep on fighting. But the other thing I wanted to get, because I think one of the things that also underlies this is our collective philosophy. So one of the things that Rachel said, here's a quote from her. The arrogantly claimed dominion over nature was the philosophical root of the problem. Human beings were not in control of human beings were not in control of nature but simply one of its parts their survival of one dependent on the health of all and i know that's one thing that Wilda, you also want to talk about is this ancient way of knowing it's our relationship with the natural world um do you have anything to say on that in the last minute here
1: did we lose Willow? Maybe we so lost. I think she's gone. Yeah. So, okay.
0: So, do you guys want to say anything? Because that, that, that's what thats what I think part of it is like, how can we do this so much of this insanity? And again, I really encourage people to read the book, Silent Spring, because it just showed how insane it was. We were throwing DDT to solve yeah. a little problem. But, but a part of it, I think, is because, you know, how do we be humble to the earth?
3: A part of it is that we start, have to start using our senses that God gave us. If something smells like poison, it's poison. And we need to, uh, when we're driving or walking through our neighborhoods, if we're smelling uh, pesticides, we should understand that we're breathing those in when we smell them.
1: As well as our pets.
3: Yeah, that we're taking the, and and the pets being so low to the ground are really taking the brunt of it. Lawns are the number one pesticide crop in the States. And we, um, you know, as as homeowners, we all have a great responsibility. Really, the first and, and most important, the best thing you can do to eliminate pesticides is get rid of your lawn.
0: Yay. Get rid of the lawn. I did it years ago. It's great. I've got lots of berries. Come over eat. <laughs> Less lawn, more flowers. <laughs> Go for it.
1: So my, my big concern today, and this is Mark speaking, uh, is the application of herbicides and insecticides to our public waters.
0: Public waters. You know what? We're going to have to do another show on water. Food Freedom Radio, AM 950. It's pretty
4: good over here.